0: Warning, this program typically features respectful, nuanced, and well-informed commentary, strong language, obscure pop culture references, and spurious allegations.
1: What are the commonalities behind the way that Hillary Clinton and her apologists treated her emails and the way that Donald Trump and the Trump— campaign and their apologists have treated all this well they lied their fucking asses off Mm. and if we are going to have anything like useful norms in this fucking country not in terms of how we all act in washington and this kind of stuff no actually how we fucking act as citizens as a citizen you cannot sit idly by and just revel in oh you know the media is exaggerating again when your fucking government is fucking lying to you. Sure. When the government lies to you, fuck them.
2: We, we, we know of new of attack. The, the
3: fifth column. Column,
0: column. Greetings and welcome back to another exciting installment of the fifth column podcast. This is uh, your almost weekly rhetorical assault on the news cycle of people that make it in ourselves. Uh, at least occasionally ourselves, and I suppose that we pivoted from being almost weekly to just being fucking weekly. We're just weekly, man. Um, This is uh, episode 65, Thursday. No, this is not Thursday. It's Wednesday, right? Recorded on Wednesday, July 12th, 2017. I'm Camille Foster. I do things at a place called Freethink. I am joined, uh, as per usual, by the one and only Matt Welsh, editor-at-large of Reason Magazine, The incredible. Reason Reason Magazine. Reason Magazine. Reason Magazine. Uh, The incredible, incomparable Michael Moynihan, national correspondent uh, for HBO's Vice News tonight. Uh, And we'll have more to say about that guy in a little bit. And our esteemed guest for the evening, the man of the hour. I've run out of superlatives, so he doesn't get any more. Bloomberg View columnist Eli Lake.
2: Eli, uh, gentlemen, how the hell are you? I mean, it is so. You know I'm a big fan of the pod. Yeah, you should. That's I why listen. You're here, man. I, I know. I'm a huge fan of the pod. Oh. It's, a, it's a lifelong. It's an honor to be here. You got yeah. a
3: byline and you're a fan. We put you on the show. There it Damn is. Right there right. it is.
2: I'm a big fan. Uh, I listen to it. Uh, usually it comes out on a Friday, uh, so I come out or I listen to it on a Friday, and I'm just saying I do it while I'm you know at a Whole Foods. Maybe <laughs> I've got it in my iPhone.
0: Spontaneous laughter.
2: I'm like looking at avocados do you, you know have friends I mean? with you
3: like that david brooks column and you're like this is called prosciutto it's not actually pronounced proscutto
2: i'm uh, <laughs> i'm like you know the sopresetta is sort of an invisible class barrier <laughs> and uh let's let's go get some tacos that's how I feel.
3: And you said Tacos the first time. And yeah, like, exactly. You don't understand each other. At home, Let me tell you I, something.
2: G-E-D-P-H-D, it means nothing to me. <laughs> I that's I, to that's where I'm want you to understand
1: that as Eli was talking, he looked mournfully into his cup because we already drained the last of the state of Jefferson rum. Yeah, whoever, oh, by the way, makes that, congratulations.
2: That's yeah. delicious. Yeah. It's pretty, I good. Loved it. yeah, yeah, pretty but good. I
1: loved it. But my feeling is that Eli came here with the idea that, Obviously, there mm-hmm. would be an inexhaustible supply of
2: brown-colored booze. Uh, yeah. booze.
3: they're usually we usually do. Yeah, I I really usually do. What have we done? We have, does, of anyone have like a, does anyone
2: have like a one-hitter? No, I just cut my vape that has that has tobacco in it. Sorry,
1: sorry, I mentioned. We've it. been talking about uh, like uh, going going green on one of these uh,
2: shows, although it'd be a terrible, terrible idea. Like smoking. I don't Reed? think it's yeah. a terrible. I don't, I don't think it would be a terrible idea, about that? and like we could we could talk about the movie the Pink by Pink Floyd, The Wall. <laughs> Dude, I'm sorry. Anyway, the point I, yeah, uh, exactly. I, uh, uh, I want to talk about dude. There's a beverage here. Anyway, <laughs> well,
0: well, Eli, I'm I'm delighted you could make it. Why I'm are you? Uh, to be here. Why are you in New York
2: this week? Um, winning an award from the Algaminer, which is a terrific website that uh, provides views on Jews in the news, hmm. and um, I am winning an award with the great Barry Weiss. Who is now at the uh, New York Times, who just moved over from the Wall Street Journal. Uh, so that is tomorrow in New York City.
3: Hmm. Well, congratulations, Eli, on being such a spectacular Jew. Yeah. Uh, an, an exceptional Ashkenazi
2: Jew. of the year. Ashkenazi yeah. of the 2017. Year. Wow. A
3: remarkable Jew. So the things that people Good say about hike, you on Twitter, a... you, get, you get a little heat there. I've uh, known you for long um... enough that I don't even really think about your politics very much. I just think about <laughs> you being a guy that I talk to about weird things. I mean, I don't really talk about politics. Um, and, uh, and uh, you know, the, the, the accusation always is that, you know, you're the sort of, you know, Zionist. Cut out. Cut out. Yeah. I cut for the Israeli party. government, the Likud party. Now I think this seems to confirm all that. <laughs> this is the BB Netanyahu award for spectacular Jewry.
2: Uh, you know Netanyahu <laughs> oh is, uh, is, is is too much of a sellout phrase. for me. I uh, know. Yeah. Um, yeah. I feel like to use a Yiddish word, we're all mishpacha here, <laughs> <Yeah>. so <laughs> totally. yeah. it's okay. No idea. You know, I just a, with a, that. you know, and to use a you know, like <laughs> sort of use a Camille <laughs> word. Okay. I'm okay if we code switch.
0: Yeah. Oh, there you yeah. go. Although that wouldn't be a word. That'd be a phrase. Be a phrase.
2: Correct. Yeah. yeah. All right, That's okay. Wrong again. You know,
0: we all make mistakes. I made a mistake. In mm. my intro, I neglected to do? mention... One Anthony Fisher, oh, yeah. uh, who is also A-fish. here, our, our our very good friend, our co-conspirator, who is uh, directing and producing. And this week, we've actually granted him uh, a microphone. So, Oh, we did? He may occasionally chime in and say and things, but hopefully uh, hopefully not too much. Big because fan he's, of uh, Fisher. Well, he still hasn't walked back the whole uh, Holocaust denial thing. I know, so it's we're, so uncomfortable. We're working on it, though. It's
3: but but we it's, don't really want to talk about it. I just, just want to point out that I think his wife says, really. Just for the record. Yeah. Uh,
0: we gave him a mic. How come you didn't consult me about that? Uh, you weren't here. You were an hour late.
3: I'll be eye uh, in the sky, and I'm working on my 10,000 word rebuttal to Moynihan's uh, <laughs> spurious allegations <laughs> right, about the Holocaust. Yeah, that actually came, came from, from Auschwitz. Cam- uh, it sort of came from Camille, but right, and he's, <laughs> I said Belson, you special. But I, I have to say, though, that you know, you're telling me that I would have been informed of this had I been here 45 minutes earlier, I, and Anthony's in the room.
0: I can't really object at that point. No, actually said thing? 60 minutes earlier, oh, for not 45. Sake. I saw you try to walk that back and reduce it. Is it yeah.
1: official on the updated mm-hmm. uh, fifth column bingo board is Holocaust denial in, in the first five minutes? Is that One what? would hope. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it, 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 you probably shouldn't
3: put it on there because that's like hitting from the ladies tees. It's just a little too easy. <laughs> I mean, we do it so much and it's like, you know, the more horrible, the reference, the funnier, the joke, I've always been. There's a great, I actually want. What about very,
2: Holdemort de- denial?
3: Oh, oh wow, that's very a Ukrainian reference, as some, some people would out there would maybe understand this. That's, that's the name, too. the Ukrainian name for the, the famine, the, the, uh, the Moscow-induced uh. famine. We'll talk about Moscow, too. Huh. Um, but I do a random um, recommendation, by the way. And sometimes when you give the random recommendations, especially if they're not books, because that involves you know payment, uh, Amazon investment, etc.. I watched something the other day about comedy that I'd seen before. And it's the great Jim Norton, who's very, very funny, and he debated Lindy West, who apparently now has a column in the New York Times. She's the uh, feminist writer, and she wrote a book about, um, you know, being fat shamed. I think recently
2: is the uh, column called "This Is Not Normal." <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> uh, maybe go west because or something. that 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 sums up like half the New York Times editorial. <laughs> no. This is not normal. <laughs>
3: <laughs> so Matt, Matt is looking, just shaking Sorry. his head. But so he debated her on W. Camus Bell's show that he used to have on FX. And it was a there was like a kind of cut-down version for, for the show. But there is a 17 and a half uh, minute version of this debate, and it's about the appropriateness of a certain type of joke. And it, it starts with this that she got they got in some fight about rape jokes. And it is incredibly smart and interesting, particularly Well um, exclusively from Norton Who is deceptive in some ways Because he has this kind of like you know Outer borough accent And he is so whip smart And he's so gentle and so like respectful of her but he just, he disassembles her. And it's like, it's really good. It came up in a conversation I have with somebody, and I re-watched it, and everyone should watch it. It's like the Jim Norton, uh, Lindy West, 17-minute debate about what jokes are appropriate. And he doesn't huh. even
1: get into his uh, creepy personal sexual history, or is that get in, No, like, he
3: gets No, uh, he, <laughs> he gets involved in that and almost everything that he does. And he podcasts, and when you hear Jim, he's very open about uh, his weird um, sexual um, interest. Can I have the second beer?
2: Is that okay? Oh, for Christ's yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah, sake. Yeah, you
3: know we're like three minutes into, of the podcast. Right? I know, but you were <laughs> late.
2: You were late.
0: Pace yourself. You were you yeah, were there's, late. There's drinking so. there was drinking happening before that. Yeah. Um but uh you know I I asked uh, how the hell you guys were doing. Mm. I, I didn't ask what you'd done this week. I've seen you welch because we did some radio together that's it thank you for bailing me out by the way um sirius xm yeah that's true uh at some point in the uh recording (laughs) towards the end he just throws to me he's like camille what what should we we talk talk about about? (laughs) uh and of course i just talked about bed because i ain't got nothing else to talk about uh except bedside good segment it was good uh, we talked uh, about gentrification this is the day
1: this is the horrors of uh of the, uh, the yawning maw of radio, you know, yeah. for three hours. Well, you got to fill the space. You've got to always fill the space. Yeah. And there's a moment when you blank out. That's well, I a, also I don't
0: know what's like topically appropriate for that particular program. So I didn't want to reach for the wrong thing. Cause we all, we never run out of things to talk about here. No, true. we go with um, too long, but this is also true, but, I've also seen you, yeah. Moynihan. Yeah, we saw each I other I saw Monday. you yeah. at your star-studded yes. premiere for yes. the Vice HBO featured documentary mm-hmm. in which Michael Moynihan is the host. Yeah. Um, it is called The Lord of the Rings <laughs> Passion It's of- called The Lord in Disarray. <laughs>
3: it's about the <laughs> little,
0: little Lord Fauntleroy
3: <laughs> case from 1948. No, it's called uh, World in Disarray, and it's based on uh, Richard Haas' book, uh, of the ah, same title, two A's, two S's, um, and it was uh, it was great.
0: It was really fun. It was wonderfully received, and I, I was really happy. It I was, it, really was happy. it was in fact wonderfully received. I can yeah, I can I was, confirm I that. that. I, I do have some some quibbles uh, yeah, with well, a few yeah, but, you attributes know, of the yeah, film. I mean, but it's I would, Richard's book, so no, but, but I want to say yeah. that I thought it was expertly made. It is worth watching, and quite frankly, I don't mind someone making an argument that I disagree with. Well. In the context of a film, um, I, I would say this. I, even mind I, I, I would it say it happening this, uh, on this podcast. Sure. and me not getting the last word. I think sure. most people, not most people. I think people who listen to this, anyways, are capable of making their minds up. But I wanted to say, people should go watch the damn thing because it's great. I mean, folks were in the room. The room was filled with people who are not foreign policy experts, oh. and I never heard Tim anyone Keitner was there. I saw well, I'm, yeah. I'm just saying that there were a That's lot strange. of there were a lot of people who weren't. Yeah, like sure. Fab Five Freddy. Yes, and I did not, not hear a, a single expert? person. I'm say sorry, this was too long.
2: I talked Fab to, Five Freddy's a big NATO guy. Uh, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> anyway um, <laughs> I talked. to,
3: He said he'd personally defend Tallinn. I was like, Wow, that's <laughs> impressive. Uh, Beats rhymes and Freddie. Well, it was weird because I talked to Freddie about foreign
0: policy a little bit too, yeah, uh-huh. and I brought
3: you over because I was like, Oh, there's another black guy here. Yeah, no, this and is so. And then this um, only only
0: only me and Fab Five Freddy well, fit t- a particular phenotypic dis- description. <laughs> yeah,
3: exactly. And we were well, both well, talking to Michael Moynihan. Well, no. That's it's not entirely true, but um, I will say two things. The first one is that... You know, Richard's voice is dominant in, in the film because it's based on his book. And Richard, incidentally, is one of the loveliest people, an absolutely brilliant guy. Oh! And when you, uh, you... Oh, God, Eli. <laughs> and when you, uh, and, you know, even if you're, like, a psychopath like Eli Lake, who's, you know, looking for a country of
2: people... First of all, bomb, I, like, right? I read the let book and I agreed with, like, 80% finish, of let it. Let me finish,
3: <laughs> let me finish, Uh, when you listen to the podcast, it's not that much overtalk. Um, and, uh... So so um, obviously his his voice is pretty is going to be dominant in the film. But, you know, we worked pretty hard to get a bunch of contrary voices in it, too. Yeah. I mean, I remember at the at the end, we were kind of looking at it and we say, you know, there's not enough of this, not enough of that. And we ended up uh, doing um, Chris Murphy, the, the uh, Democratic senator from Connecticut, who was really interesting. And we had a great uh, we had, uh, added Tony Blanken, who. I was um, um, pretty impressed by him. He was an incredibly nice guy, too, Um, as much as I, you know, personally, and it doesn't come through in the film, but I I disagree with him on on a few points, and I, you know, we talked about it, and we had a a good back and forth. Um, But I think that the real achievement... Of the film of the people that actually worked on it that warned me because they did it in two and a half months. That's yeah. not an hour and a half a film. I didn't. I've never made a feature, and I mean, these guys made it, not me. Yeah, and you know, I helped quite a bit, but they were they were the driving force, and I couldn't believe that they put. And the hard thing about making something like this is the the, the news changes all the time. Mm-hmm. You notice there's a bit about the Syrian the uh, trumps at uh, you know uh, tomahawk missile attack at the oh. end. it was like you got you got to get that stuff in there Yeah. and it was it was pretty but the best thing about it at the end was was Fab five Freddy um was talking to him um briefly about foreign policy but then having a, a the cultural appropriation conversation with him because an, a different hbo plug the Jimmy Iovine documentary, Iovine documentary.
2: So psyched for that.
3: It's so good. I, I watched I, it all I, four I, parts. No it. I'm so psyched for I will for not it. say this. I will say one thing about it, which is something that we've talked about here and led into the conversation that you and I had with Freddie mm-hmm. was um, there. I think it's the second episode. It starts basically half about him and half about Dre, maybe even a little more about Dr. Dre. And he's on the beach of some bazillion dollar resort in some private island. And he's got his laptop out and he's shaking his head, and he's and he's ripping it to Nirvana, and like and he's, he loves Nirvana, and then he goes into Trans Europe Express by Kraftwerk, and so I wrote a piece about this a long time ago in a magazine called Richardson, which is like this kind of art magazine, this kind of like fashion-y art magazine, and the guy who runs it's really cool, and he said, I want you to write a piece about cultural appropriation, and I wrote a big bit of it about Africa Bambada, and about how Bambada Planet Rock, his big single, is just a Kraftwerk song. Yeah, and so essentially, the origins of hip hop are appropriating German <laughs> culture. It's collage. It's collage, right? And so, yeah. Uh, yeah, Freddie, he was he was really interesting, and he he had this great thing that he was saying when I said to him, I imagined hearing Bambada talk about this, about Kraftwerk, this you know techno-e. I'm trying to explain it for people who don't listen to graphic. It's minimalist, German minimalism. Electronic music from the 70s, right? So you can imagine what that is. And I said, you know, when I heard, first heard Bambada talking about this, how he went to Germany, brought back these records and it like exploded in the Bronx. And I had this thing of like listening to the politics of today and cultural appropriation and of this segregationist mentality. And I said to Freddie, he was like, you know the um, image to me of these guys putting on trans Europe express. Cause he talks about these block parties and that he said, people flood on the streets and they would just dance and they were just dancing to craft work. And I was <laughs> awesome. thinking about that image. Like that is so crazy. And Fat Five Freddy was like, this happened. It was the biggest record around. You didn't know anyone who didn't have trans Europe express or, or, or metal machine music. And we just listened to it all the time. And it just depressed me thinking of like, Man, now it's like, well, this guy, we got to police what everyone's wearing, what they're saying,
2: you know, there's, who they're listening to. There's great music today.
3: No, no, no. It's not about whether there's not this great music. I'm with, but just Camille. I'm with Camille.
2: I'm like future, like latest is great. And I know you mock Whoa. it, but it's great. I don't. My point is only thank this. You. Thank you. Eli. Is No, it's. And look, I'll listen to
3: those records. and I'll get maybe I'll get into it. But I'm it's a it's fan of the, thank you. It's the idea. <laughs> it's, I the, I love I, that song. it's the idea. The, it's this kind of sense now. That no one would be like, man, that's really, they're culturally appropriating those guys who look like, you know, yeah, yeah. guys who, who wandered off a Hitler youth bus. Like, that's, no, it was just Wearing part ass. of this d- yeah. development uh, fun, of music.
1: Fun fact about so anyway. Jimmy Iovine, I always have pronounced that. mean oh, wrong. That's um, one of the two. Um, I always I say, Iveen. say
3: Iveen. Clitoris, cl- clitoris? Um,
1: <laughs> Vitorus, not was, the same thing. He was thing. the, uh, he ran uh, Death Row Records, right? About Interscope. In, Interscope, yeah.
3: Interscope,
2: okay. Yeah. But uh, yes. they
3: had... Interscope with well, Death, Death Row was, 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 was an imprint. was uh, yes. an imprint, a subsidiary
2: of that, uh, yeah. Right. That quote I've even, got him on Death Row searching for an Interscope. But that mm. was kicked out Jeez. of
1: Warner Brothers' Deep cut. music in the mid-90s yes, under hysterical pressure from who? Hillary Clinton. Mm. Hillary Clinton. Oh, and Tipper Gore. Exactly. Oh, no. with those
2: <laughs> classic hearings with the PMRC. <laughs> By the way, I have that book. We're losing subscribers. We're losing subscribers. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'll, I'll get off. <laughs> I'll just say yeah, in the documentary, tangent.
3: you'll notice that yeah, Hillary Clinton is not mentioned. But in the documentary, there is a pretty good summary with a few political figures kind of excised from it. It more focuses on Bill Bennett, by the way, but um, uh, who's equally uh, a shithead in this. But there's a great bit about uh, the guy at Warner Brothers who basically was tasked, brought in, and tasked with getting rid of all that stuff. And about the fight that 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 happened, and then of course you learn in it, which I had known in the past and forgot that uh, Suge Knight is the I think nephew of Dion Warwick.
2: Huh, I did not know that. Yeah, shut
3: up. Yeah, right. I got to check that. One more. I've wow. been, I
2: think he was the producer on uh, Patti Smith's horses. He was
3: not on horses. The one after. All right, but yeah.
2: Anyway, yeah, kids, if you want some deep deep shit,
3: well, he's the one that, who Patti Smith her is thing. actually
2: like really.
3: Well, he's the one who said, you want to hit, uh, here's a Bruce Springsteen song. Yeah. And also the same with uh, Stevie Nicks, who he was dating at the time. said, you want to hit, here's a Tom Petty Well, song. look,
0: I, I want to keep this music go thing ahead. going. I also go want to know let's, let's do, whether, do whether Eli do well. prefers Hendrix to uh, Future. But we will have to find out a little bit later. Okay. There is something happening with some guy named Junior. Um, and we actually received an email about this from from someone who uh, who is out there in, in fifth column fandom. Hopefully, they're still in, in fifth column fandom. They were very polite in their emails. A kid by the name of Beckett. Uh, Beckett describes himself as a uh, Bernie Sanders liberal. Mm. And uh, is also a huge fan of this podcast. I mean, it was a he very nice email. Yeah, he appreciates yeah, how yeah, fair we you, are. Um, he also uh, he also was careful to share both the shade and shape of his genitalia, which I appreciate. I mean, if you're gonna email me, I mean, just describe it in words. Did he do that? But don't share a picture. Well, he said I'm a, white a, I'm a white male. Which oh. I don't, I, as I as I told him in the email, yeah. it is unusual that we live in a world where people feel it's necessary. I to literally do that. thought he sent you a dick pic. No, no, no or
2: no. a dick to script. I, I understand.
0: <laughs> I understand. But but, but I, I want to. I just want to underscore that that is essentially what you're doing when you do that.
2: Yeah, that's a good point.
0: People who send me notes, hey Camille, I really appreciate the things that you say about race. But you know, as a white male, I sometimes find it difficult. What does your penis have to do with this? <laughs> this is so strange. Is what? it? Is Why it do you also think large? People's only their penises. At over? any rate, no. I'm just saying, as a white male, I know that it's a penis that you're talking about. This doesn't I matter. I Think, by the way, that some people would disagree with you. On you're that. derailing. Is a white
2: male trapped in a white male body. Yeah. Speaking of
0: <laughs> speaking of white males, um, but but he sent me the email not only to discuss his genitals, but specifically to discuss a different sort of genital, Uh, Mr. Donald Trump Jr., who apparently is ensnared in some sort of scandal, which is unsurprising for this administration. Um, But Beckett opens his email saying, can't ignore it anymore, boys. Time to drop the hammer. I understand your desire to stay out of partisan politics, but this story is a whopper. Mm. Gentlemen, uh, we uh, we find ourselves faced with uh, something something pretty interesting here. As of Sunday of this week, the New York Times breaks a story that this previously unreported meeting uh, with Jared Kushner, Donald Trump Jr., and at the time then campaign manager Paul Manafort meeting with some high ranking Russian official about things we don't know. Five days later, mm-hmm. uh, we are talking about possible. Charges being filed, uh, emails being disclosed by one Mr. Trump, who after a series of increasingly dissimilar explanations of yeah. what the hell was going on, we, we also know that as just fucking lying. Yeah. Um, we have discovered that he apparently had a meeting, took a meeting with someone who was offering him the support of the Russian government, seemingly— and incriminating information about Hillary Clinton for use in the campaign. So I ask you, gentlemen, is this in fact the smoking gun? Is this in fact the story that we have been waiting for um, all along? Uh, as the as the New York Times seems to. I think before uh, we get to
3: Eli on this, because Eli wrote a column about this today, which is very good for for Bloomberg. Um, I think the three of us have to defend our honor in some sense. Uh, Beckett is a lovely man and I like his lovely email and I'm really happy he listens. One thing I, I want to clarify slightly is that is that, you know, we've talked about this quite a bit. I mm-hmm. mean, the Russia stuff is, is so much so that I think people have kind of complained about it. You guys. And we've talked about it. You know, <laughs> no one's Russia. ever complained officially. No one's ever complained officially, but, yeah. you know, we've sensed and we're like, maybe not Russia tonight, maybe not Russia tonight. And I think that Matt and I and, you know, you too, I think... That there's been a a sort of never a credulousness, but definitely not a dismissiveness either. But I recall, and maybe this was something that was in some fever dream of mine, but I recall talking about this and saying that if there is a investigation here, actually I remember distinctly talking about this, that these people, it's not CNN, you can't blame CNN. It's not it's not the partisan media, et cetera. obviously the FBI is not wasting people's time by just following up stupid leads. There was something there. And I think that I said that, and I think we talked about that in the past. That said, it doesn't mean because, you know, we ring this bell today, and I believe exactly what you believe in this. This is sort of a big deal, right? That all the previous stories amounted to much they didn't and i know a lot of people who 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 left right and center who believe the same thing i haven't seen it yet there's a lot of smoke not a lot of fire yet so i think skepticism by the way is should be your default position especially if you're a journalist you should add and i'm not saying that we're journalists in this context but skepticism is not you can't have too much Uh you should always have a lot of skepticism and then they chip away at it. it's not skepticism to be sean hannity That's being a sycophant, right? He's not being skeptical. He's being hyper-partisan. And I think that we've been very skeptical on this show because it hasn't amounted to anything. There's been a lot of very suggestive things. And I think it's also very important with um, certain elements of the media. I don't believe in talking about the media, the media, the media. And I think we probably do it and we all kind of slip into it sometimes. But I don't think that there has been a concerted effort by people in the quote unquote media to just hang Donald Trump. I do, though, think that there's a lot of people that are so excited and I've actually seen this with friends of mine Uh to potentially, you know, you know, dethrone the emperor that they do get ahead of themselves quite a bit and say, you know, this is this is so suggestive and, you know. The talk of impeachment and now treason and things like this—it's not new to this week in this story. I've been hearing this since January, which means in a week, two weeks, three weeks, yeah, in this what I think is a is a destructive and and, and horrible presidency so far, and I suspect will continue to be so. I, you know, I just didn't see it. That, I was like, you know, let's have a wait and see and be skeptical about everything. That
0: said, this story is really something else isn't it <laughs> no it's it's super it's super interesting i um i should say candidly and perhaps before uh the the two of you weigh in um i am still like deeply skeptical about most of the rest of the treasure trove of things that we've been mining um because i think that there is a tr- there's a profound dissimilarity um between this particular narrative this particular story Um, And most of the rest. Um, And we can we can talk about it because I feel I feel uncomfortable saying any of that um, absent uh, substantial qualifications. And uh, I kind of I I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. So at any rate, we'll come back to that. (laughs) We'll come back to Camille's uh, contrarian take on this. It's not it's not knee jerk obfuscation. It's not knee jerk obfuscation. (laughs) I don't work for the Trump administration. I work for me um so was that a last minute code switch no
3: i from me no (laughs) if it if
0: it it was it's innate um but (laughs) eli welch eli i know you wrote a piece about this matt i don't know if you've done any work today you're wearing a hawaiian shirt um that's
2: more of a cuban oh you're right it is more cuban i suppose
1: i want to hear from eli
0: eli what do you what do you make of this share
2: first can i do my snarky joke Okay, so those you never have to ask for permission okay, here. So, for those uh, older listeners Christ. who might be familiar with the great 10cc song called <laughs> Dreadlock Holiday, oh, yeah. I will just say <laughs> I don't like Russia. I love it. Anyway. Um, <laughs> I don't like collusion. I love it. Anyway. Um, <laughs> because the email, he's like, I love it. Yeah, I, I love, love it. it. It was great. I yeah, love it. Let's do it. Love <laughs> it. <laughs> like, yeah. um, I love it. Later this summer. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's I will a good just, time to okay, drop, So right? let me just preface by saying that there were two things that always made me, because I'm with you guys. I'm skeptical of a lot of the uh, breathless hyperventilating on this. Uh-huh. But- 1 observing Donald Trump in the campaign and in the presidency I'm like this guy couldn't collude his way out of a fucking paper bag so that's the first thing like I'm a, I didn't think he could pull it off and b if you really did get serious aid from the russians why wouldn't you sound like John McCain on Russia because it's free nobody expects presidents to do what they do when they get elected on foreign policy as they campaigned. Yeah. We know this for, I mean, we've seen this time and again. Remember the speech where Knock the World's 911 from Condoleezza Rice at the 2000 convention? So why didn't, if you got, if you were getting significant help from the Russians and you wanted to keep that a secret, why not, you know, go hawkish on Russia? Mm. Um, which would seem to be the sort of minimal subterfuge that I would do if I was involved in such a thing. And then I'm like, well, okay, Donald. So, so those are the, my my caveats. But at this point, the significance here is not, first of all, when Democrats say it's treason, they need to read the Constitution. That is so over the top, and they would never tolerate that if the shoe was on the other foot. Second of all, we don't even know if it's collusion because, according to everybody in the meeting and their first stories on this, when they their first statements, they say that no information was proffered, but. This is really significant because it puts the lie to everything that the Trump people have ever said about contacts with Russia and everything else. Uh, It's in black and white. We can read the email that Don Jr. put out on Twitter right before The New York Times was going to publish it. And it says, hey, this is some high level shit from the Russians. They're trying to help your dad. You interested? And he's like, "I love it, especially later <laughs> in the summer." <laughs> so, but, but um,
0: timing, but timing matters, yeah. right? I mean, this. So, right. so let's, so let's, yeah. this, so let's put this. So let's put this into some broader context. I mean, the this email that Don Junior gets. The first contact is June third, twenty sixteen. Um, this is sometime before the hacks were to have occurred. This is certainly sometime before anyone has suggested that the Trump administration was actually engaged with Russia. It had certainly been the case that there had been a lot of criticism of candidate Trump running for office, mm. saying kind and generous things about Vladimir Putin, but no one had yet made any sort of bold assertion, and it certainly wasn't being reported ad nauseum that the president was in cahoots with the Russians. So this is important. The second thing here is the sort of important. Well, I think it's, I think it's important in the sense that it's just true. Um, The second thing that I'd say is there is a set of, a set of stories or narratives that we've been exploring. Um, They involve Paul Manafort, Mike Flynn, characters like that who are high ranking Trump uh, associates and campaign officials who have some sort of connection to the Russians, and in some cases had actually been talking to Russians at points that people didn't expect And working expect for to. Russians. And working for Russians in, in, the, in the past. The case in, of in the, Paul the case California, of, in know. the case of, and well, yes, and, and, and also, in the, I mean: Mike Well, Flynn's, Mike Flynn had it, taken money from yeah, Russia the R- Today. The RT but there is, But there is a substantive difference between Don Jr. getting an email from someone who he knows, an associate, who says, hey, would
2: you if like red to meet? Lover.
0: <laughs> <laughs> who says, who says, Hey, would you like to meet this particular Russian person who would like to give you some information about the, the Clinton campaign? And he responds enthusiastically. Yes, absolutely. I want to know about their criminal behavior M- minutes Slater. to the extent this happened. Minutes later, Yes. Yeah. And carbon copies, Manafort and Kutcher. This is, this is problematic. Um, that the meeting happens, right? We know that they showed up. We know what happened in the meeting We can't know for sure. The only thing we have to go off of is what they've said, and they've proven to be fucking liars. So they could be lying now. But what is interesting is there was at the time Donald Trump during the same period on the same day making it wasn't the same day. It was was, was, there were several days. Yeah, the the, thirty-three thousand email trade. Yeah, explain that. Where he talks about not well, not merely the emails. There was he was also he was talking about. Um, The fact that there was going to be some sort of press event um, where he would be revealing secrets or something explosive about Hillary Clinton and it would be next week. And that meeting never happened. Yes. This was right in between the scheduling of this particular meeting um, and the meeting actually occurring. The meeting at which they say the only thing they got was a woman who shows up and is talking to them about adoption. Yeah. Yeah. The best case scenario here is, presuming they're being candid and forth right now, and they didn't get any information from the Russians, Mm. right? Is it possible, like defensible, to say, if asked later on, did you have any conversations with the Russians or coordinate with the Russians to of disrupt the election or to to no. take hillary clinton's emails or totally anything indefensible. like that no it's it's, it's, indefensible, it's indefensible to say that it's okay absolutely even even if the meeting that you ended yep. up hap- having turned out to be like seemingly nigerian scammer potentially someone who doesn't actually have information they sold you they Paul Manafort was in that meeting. Yeah, Paul Manafort Manafort was in the meeting. (laughs) Yeah. But as I said, like nothing came of it. And and given that Paul Manafort is in the meeting, and this is why I said that it seems disconnected from so much so much of the rest of that. The expectation that's been set all along is that Mike Flynn or Paul Manafort, one of these shadowy conspiracy people was connected to the Russians, was getting information from them, there's still no evidence that that has taken well, Camille, place, quickly right?
3: because because people have overstated other things doesn't mean it's okay no no i'm not okay. i'm not saying, I'm I'm say, say, I'm saying that at say all this. i'm just saying it's, that if you i'm just wrong- saying
0: that there's there is a yeah, distance sure. and and at a minimum what is required here in order to connect those pieces is still a thing called evidence. Sure. Well, like well, you know the
3: evidence we here. We have evidence of wrongdoing. We have
0: evidence. We have.
1: it's true that we but, don't have evidence of someone's conspiracy that I'm not interested well, that's, in. That's absolutely important.
0: true. Well, listen. So I don't give a so shit. So let me if you. So me say, let me quickly say. Let me quickly say what I what I what I agree with. He very likely broke the law. Right, and I will say he very likely. Well, I say he very likely broke the law because I very likely broke the law because campaign finance law is sufficiently complicated and convoluted that an interaction like this, it seems to me, would almost certainly run afoul of some campaign finance. Well, you're I'm not, first, so, not you're, so sure about that. You're, you're not so sure no? about that either. But 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 before we get back to that, any, your, any first, your first
3: question. About does this count as Sorry. meetings with Russians? Well, we don't know what the FBI asked in, in, a, in a clearance uh, totally. you know, interview and things like that. It's very possible that they're lying so publicly they're doing that privately to the FBI, too. They're incredibly stupid to do so. Yeah. Because I'm sure, Pete, you know, they know a lot more than they think they know. And this is also a failure, a, a sort of collective failure of the intelligence, the actual intelligence, not in the intelligence community. The actual intelligence of the people that work in the Trump campaign were incredibly stupid in so many ways.
0: Unsurprising, yes.
3: Not surprising at all. But <laughs> I don't buy it that, you know, if you go and rob somebody's house and somebody tells you that there's a big box of jewels in the in the closet and you go there and the box isn't there and then you just leave having just broken a window, that you're <laughs> just an innocent person. I mean, you're trying to suborn something or somebody is, you know, offering this up in your fact. Maybe they're not suborning it. But the thing that's strange about this is that in a normal society with normal people, when you have an adversary like the Russians, who have been an adversary to every previous administration with a brief kind of respite in a a kind of okay relationship between the Yelts administration and Clinton, and they are offering up information on the secretary of state – God knows, no one asked where this comes from, how they obtained it. One would presume, if you had half a wit about you, about Russian intelligence and the FSB and the GRU and how how they get this stuff. I want it because I want to win, and, and it would be especially good if it was late in the summer when the campaign's really heating up. Sure, we know exactly what they're doing with it or what they want to do with it. I think that what maybe you would want people to do in that situation when the putin administration which is a repulsive ratbag administration in almost every way says that and we know there's nine cutouts this is a classic you know scenario of cutouts you call the fbi you say to the FBI that there are these people Well we didn't know they were really trying to influence the election Except for this email that I got That said we're trying to influence the
2: election
0: <laughs>
3: on, your mean, behalf. on your behalf Now I know that's like oh that'd be great Yeah. If from they, from they,
2: Europe's most prominent <laughs> Azerbaijani rock promoter <laughs> <laughs> um. that's,
3: You look at this guy by the way <laughs> yeah, yeah, right yeah. like, he should be, He's like wearing a sweatsuit yeah. I mean he's like the, the classic Porcine guy like You know with the coke thing around his neck on a chain And he's like I get to deal with the people Come on, we'll have a party like, First of all, why are you listening to people? One is like a pop singer in Russia that you did a television <laughs> show with The other one is this, yeah, Azerbaijani music promoter And then some lawyer uh-huh. who's like a cutout for, for, for the Kremlin And says, we're going to give you all this information The fact that your ears don't prick up and say First of all, maybe something else is going on but here this is, that's can what I, I, I would can, do Can, can I muddy, let me
2: let muddy me, yeah. the, the waters Please we know, according to everybody in the meeting, that they talked about the Magnitsky Act sanctions. Yes. And I don't want to get too deep on that, but those are very important sanctions because they punish people who murdered and tortured an anti-corruption lawyer. Bill Browder's lawyer. Exactly. Yeah. But who
0: um, really has clean hands? No, 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 oh, no. no, but, no but, <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> right, That's okay. a joke. Right, yes, That's okay. a joke. I'm referencing Trump with a writer. Yeah, know, I know. know, know right, you yeah. okay. yeah,
2: no, but but can never tell. here's something interesting. <laughs> <laughs> this woman who was spearheading the American campaign to undo those sanctions also worked with something called Fusion GPS, which is the oppo research firm that produced the Donald Trump dossier that got the media all a Twitter, so to speak Hmm. uh, way back in December and January.
3: How do we know that by the way?
2: Uh, They've acknowledged it. They've said that they worked for Baker Hossettler, which was the law firm that was employed to work for a holding company for one of the one of one of the companies that basically was being prosecuted by the Justice Department for laundering money that was stolen in this huge tax fraud case. Mm -hmm. And so the people that brought you the dirty dossier on Trump also worked to discredit the memory of Sergei Magnitsky, Bill Browder, and try to undermine the Magnitsky Act that was employed by the Democrats. Do
3: we know, and a question about that, do we know that they worked with the company or actually on the dossier?
2: No, no, Fusion GPS worked with Christopher Steele, the former MI6 agent, to produce the dossier. They also had another client that was trying to undermine the Magnitsky Act that worked very closely with this Kremlin-connected lawyer that met with Don Jr.,
1: and then just to make it more weird, and uh, this hasn't been followed up too much, but the Wall Street Journal had some reporting on this a couple of days ago, um, that apparently there was some communication in Trump headquarters uh, feeling out like, hey, what's our deal uh, post this meeting? Right. Uh, what's our deal with the Magn- Magnitsky Act? So, uh-huh. like, there was uh, there was some, some reported, conversation. I don't know how much of that has been confirmed. Yeah. Go, go look it up. Uh, for me, it's they uh, – this is not – OK, as Michael says, that what you do in this situation is you, um, you know, take back the, the the email or or whatever you go to the authorities. They did this. Uh, it was the Al Gore. Uh, they got a, a, a big oppo file on George W. Bush in 2000, I think before one of the debates or or uh, there and they immediately reported it. This is just kind of normal. And it's not as if we don't know in 2016, even if you are a uh, campaign riddled with D-list. You know, fucktards, uh, as this is, and I know we can't say that anymore. But this is we a, can't say that anymore. Is that I think? A... I think that's we can't. Oh, so I,
3: much...
0: I thought you meant like. W- oh, like you're you're saying it's insensitive iTunes or something? So <laughs> no, no, no. no just
1: in, in general,
0: I, yeah. I don't think that's the official term. Yeah, but uh, it's but a it's medical a... term. But go so, ahead. Let's not muddy the mo- <laughs> waters with specific medical terms. <laughs> right. Let uh, fucktards he... go. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Thank uh, you, Fisher. <laughs> First, chime in from Anthony Fisher. It's important. This is an important matter.
1: Please, Even with all this, you know that uh, that Vladimir Putin and the Russian government has been serially uh, getting involved in cyber monkeying with uh, elections in Western democracies all over the place. Spe- very much so in the Baltics, in France, in, in Hungary, and other places like that. This is on the ta- This is not an unknown thing. This is, I mean, not just that they're a historical adversary, but that they've been ramping up this type of activity. It's not obscure to know this. You don't have to be yeah. a Russophobe or a Russophile to know this. So, in that they act in this way. They lie about it, lie about it, lie about it. And I've, uh, speaking of D-listers and Hungarians, um, I don't know if any of you caught the uh, interviews that uh, Seb Gorka, the aptly named Seb Gorka, the deputy assistant. It's Wh- risible, sir. <laughs> White House, fake British accent, bad 1995 goatee having uh quasi academic uh, goes on there. And he was asked point blank on CNN, um, uh, just straight up, was it a good idea uh, uh, here uh, for Don Jr. to meet with a Russian lawyer?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: What was his response to that? He's like, well... Was it a good idea for the DNC to meet with the Ukrainians? So go straight to the whataboutism. Then he goes into the 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 fake news fake out of like, well, I can't believe that the, this is this is why CNN is thirteenth in the ratings. You, Jake
2: Barnett, yeah. has been impeached as a commentator. It'll take, but it takes a
0: little while before he can he can decide to <laughs> yeah, throw sorry. the president's son under the bus. <laughs> it gets it gets yeah. to a place,
1: however, in response to a question of. Was it a good idea for Don Jr. to meet with this Russian lawyer? And to be clear, it was a bad idea. It is a wrong idea. It might be an illegal idea. Who knows? I'm not uh, hung up on that. It's not an impeachable idea. It's not a treasonable idea. But it is a shitty, shitty, shitty fucking thing to do. It is. And and it's disgraceful. Uh, And so uh, uh, Trump, uh, uh, Seb Gorka, uh, said it was perfectly fine because Trump Jr. was a private citizen. Uh, and also digging for dirt is, quote, what political campaigns do. Um, so it's all totally fine. It's it is it is interesting and illustrative to see the different styles of apologetics, because this is going to be with us from now on this story, which uh, I think provides some fire where mostly there's been smoke just yep. the fire of yeah, intent yeah. no it's not know, going anywhere else. um yeah. this this story ensures along with the fact that there is an investigation uh, from robert Mueller, that, that that's it that we're gonna this is gonna yeah. be the the first
3: you know and and to the email that's that kicked off this this segment here is uh-huh. that uh to the, the guy emailed us and it was you know the the one that i i guess it was always attributed to john manor Keynes and i i think it was paul samuelson who actually said it but that famous quote of like you know Uh, Somebody accused of being a hypocrite, you know, when the facts change, I change my mind. What do you do, (laughs) sir? Um, And that's and that's I think what's happening here is that, I mean, I've been. Slightly skeptical, uh, despite the fact that I'm very, very curious of what a lot of this is about. Well, it's, I'm not impo- it's important it. to
0: say skeptical of what, though. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. I, 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 I mean, been, skeptical yeah, yeah, of yeah. what, and I've now been skeptical.
3: I've been skeptical of the intensity of some of the coverage. Right. And I've seen people desperately trying to, to which, by the way, is not a bad instinct. I mean, if you keep digging, you come up with stuff like this. I like, I if if that skepticism and anger and desperation to overthrow mm-hmm. the crappy regimes was was actually you know, uniform across, across uh, administrations, yes. I'd be happy to, Everyone should do that. That would be a, wonderful. I actually. think it's good that, that that people are going after Trump this hard. Yeah. He's the president. He should be, he should be, you know, gone after this hard. Of course, the d- elements of dishonesty and overblown stuff. I mean, that stuff usually fades out. But what you said, Matt, is interesting. i that said, I think that the Gorka thing is you're right. Is it going to be one of these kind of stock responses. I- I- at least what about ism? got you on your heels and got you arguing about the bombing of Cambodia right at least <laughs> that at least there was some sense and some intelligence in it you said this about gorka i haven't been um watching cable news in the past couple of days because you know i value my free time and my sanity and i and and i saw this today um Possibly one of the dumbest people to ever be on television. It was almost like you know he wandered off the bus of his lacrosse team. Eric Bowling, um, <laughs> the man missing three buttons. Hashtag <laughs> I think yeah, the Bernard Henri Levy of stupidity. Eric Bowling. Oh God, I quite
2: like him. <laughs> <laughs> he's not bad. He's, he's, not, right. he's not bad. He's, he's all right. He's <laughs> got a nice
0: show. Gen- generally, right. generally, generally been very nice to me. Uh, yeah,
3: I know. I know. This I is know. not Camille
0: saying this. Um, Eric no, Bowling does. To, he's I he's too busy uh, putting flag pins on his underwear. But lots, but lots of other people do. I save my ad, ad hominem yeah, for yeah, other yeah. people. No, but, but I, I'm going to go. ship from ad hominem no, to for it.
3: add awesome criticism. And here we go. I, I
0: expect nothing less from yeah,
3: you. So, so, Eric, Eric Bowling uh, today was like, oh, let's don't. It's crazy, this story. So I wanted to read the pull quote. This is a quote from, from his uh, rant, which makes him millions of dollars and, a year.
1: And can, I'm, I'm sorry. Just as a throwback to a previous episode, yeah. are you going to do this in Vice voiceover
3: uh, yeah. voice? This is a liberal media witch hunt. A witch hunt not seen since Salem, circa 1692. (laughs) Since the election, the liberal media has been accusing Trump of colluding with the Russians. They are totally invested in that narrative. Turn your fucking ringer off, Eli. (laughs) Completely invested in it. The problem is their investment is going Belly up. Now, there's probably 300 words in there. Nothing. It says nothing. It's just like liberal media, liberal media, liberal media. (laughs) For six months, the liberal media has delivered what they call bombshell after bombshell. Well, guess what? Bombshell after bombshell has fizzled out like a wet bottle rocket. Yeah. Uh, So, but the liberal media keeps on hunting for those witches. Well, they damn well should. You know, your campaign manager worked on behalf of... Of a scumbag dictator who was shooting protesters in Maidan Square. Mm. Maybe there's something suggestive about that. Can we not blame the Trump administration, at that point the Trump campaign, for bringing on all of these dirtbags with dirty connections and then, you know, taking meetings with crooked Russian lawyers? Can and should. To... L- look for and pan for gold here and yeah. try to find some Hillary Clinton. And the half a dozen Hey, man, just it's lying not a witch hunt. It. You know what? There were no witches. Yeah. There is a meeting between, between uh, uh, Don Jr. and somebody that was a cutout for the Putin administration. Yeah. You know, also, I just Come add on one on, thing.
2: I don't need uh, the CIA to tell me that the Russians were trying to sure. elect Donald Trump. You know what I'm basing that on? The fact that only Hillary Clinton and her associates' emails. We're released in the fucking election. <laughs> That's what I'm basing it on. I'm using the powers of induction and deduction <laughs> to reach the conclusion that someone was trying to elect Trump based on these hacked emails, which looked like it was the Russians. And yet so today, even, the even
1: board. today, Donald Trump again. And you see a, a lot of his supporters, James J. Carafano from the Heritage Foundation uh, to his eternal shame has been one of these people who have said it my
3: well, heritage Foundation has not
1: shame themselves uh, the entire time. Trump said today in an interview with Pat Robertson Robertson uh Swiss family Pat Robertson uh said that well uh, you know it's not uh, you know I think uh, Trump or uh, Putin wanted uh, uh Clinton to uh, uh, to win. Yeah. Uh, cuz uh, you know I'm I'm much tougher cuz I'm I'm you know I I'm yeah. much tougher on oil and gas than yeah. she is like did, Did you, Robertson then stop and say, you know, uh, the gays in
3: 9-11 is an interesting <laughs> topic. Can we get back to the Lesbodians <laughs> and 9-11? Do you remember that shit after 9-11? Where it's like, I do. like, I do the, the towers are burning and he was like, I, we got to get on the air. We're going to talk about how this is the gay people's fault. It was yeah. amazing. Anyway, no, he, no. he
1: also, uh, I think, said that, uh, that there is a satanic content in uh, the clothes that you can find in thrift stores. I mean,
3: huh. through. I mean, <laughs> well, depending I mean, on where the thinking about it, Sa-
0: Satanic content is actually quite difficult to get out of your clothing. I mean, I'm, I am uh, multiple cycles,
1: <laughs> the, but I Laura Ingram said uh, similar things. If you can't look at the world and understand the very obvious reasons of why Vladimir Putin would prefer Donald Trump, then you just shouldn't be commentating on public affairs. Okay,
2: right. But that said, yes, the one thing that really grinds my gears is <laughs> when I'm like. I'm on the social media and I see a Josh Micah Marshall or some other liberal. Professor, talking, professor,
1: yeah, doctor. Talking,
2: talking about how we have to get so tough on Russia and isn't it a shame because I'm old enough to remember that when I was writing stories about how the Russians were targeting our diplomats and were, you know, launching sabotage operations and various things against our allies and what they call their near abroad, I was being accused of trying to undermine and sabotage the reset. And for the first term of Obama, the line was, Russia's our friend, or we're working together on Iran, we're working together on all these other things. Please stop talking about how they do all these terrible things, and they have been doing it for years. I now, totally and on, Obama didn't do anything about it, it. I and totally, the Democrats yeah. <laughs> need
3: to just, you know— just, Did you live in Washington, D.C.? I totally you know I mean? agree yeah, with you, as you, as you know. And
1: uh, just to give uh, to uh, ammunition to those people out there who, uh, even this week, is, have been calling me a neocon because of my. Uh, someone on, on Twitter said that uh, that uh, Welch and Reason are going against Ron Paul when it comes to Russia, which is a really great uh, concept. Like, <laughs> what? Thank I, God. I didn't, Thank
2: God, by didn't, the way. Didn't realize that.
1: But uh, say. I. Quick sideline thing Having Eli in the podcast Is not going to help your case For one The one defense <laughs> Sorry. The one defense of the reset Is that you had Medvedev there So like you had a, You had a new person Of course he wasn't But you didn't know So you had to try something different I don't well, know looks, I don't
0: believe in resets But Well I don't, I don't want to sit on this For too long sure. um, I, right. I want to I want to state again um, I think there's broad agreement There's something Very wrong With this particular Interaction uh, With Junior Um, and it is certainly a good thing that it has been brought out. I'm reminded of the Hillary Clinton sort of multiple email scandals, uh, which all just eventually got conflated into one thing. Uh, the fact that she had a private server that hosted emails and then the fact that the emails got hacked and then emails were getting leaked and no one quite knew what we were talking about when, by the end, when people would say Hillary Clinton emails, um, yeah, there's her email. <laughs> yeah. And my strong suspicion, oh, they wait, but they probably well, were, but they weren't released. We don't know. Yeah. yeah. My strong suspicion here is that in fact, it's not even a suspicion. It's already happening. Um, that all of this stuff, and I think you're exactly right. I don't know who said it, but the story isn't going away. There is going to be serious investigation of this particular thing because there is evidence, uh, related to this particular interaction. Um, I suspect this story will get conflated with all of the rest of the Russian conspiracy stuff and all of the where there's smoke there's fire stuff will will sort of make it one contiguous whole mm-hmm. uh in the minds of most people. Um but for me it really does it's important the distinction between the the two bodies of stuff. Um this particular thing that junior is engaged in The people who were at the meeting, the fact that they did not disclose that the meeting happened until later, the fact that even in that first time story, and again, we're waiting for the facts to come out here, um, it seems as though Kushner wasn't forthcoming about what happened in the meeting. I don't know if that's true yet. We don't know. But in either case, that ought to be looked into. And keeping in mind, this is a very important point that you're bringing
3: up here, and it's an important kind of sub point here is that everything that we know that happened in the meeting, right? Kushner's on his phone the whole time. You know, you've heard uh-huh. these details. Walks out of the meeting and Manafort left the meeting apparently, which, you know, they maybe they had another meeting. Who knows? We know about this stuff and it's kind of like what we talked about with the Otto Warmbier thing. We know about this stuff from the participants of the meeting only. right? So this is all of a sudden because we know so little and because when we know so little and we have to talk so much about it, if you're right. on TV or whatever, these details are being repeated as if they're true. Total facts. They yeah. might be. I don't know if they are, but we're we're this is contingent upon that stuff being true from the
0: participants in those meetings. Yes, but here is but before you before you jump in, just just so I can finish this point, because I might be the only one that is that is still interested in vehemently and forcefully making this point. Um, But like the there is a smoking gun here. I think it is located not inches, not feet but miles from the riddled body that is like the Mike Flynn investigation. And from the obstruction conversation, these are substantively different things and they ought to be adjudicated on their merits. And quite frankly, Moynihan, I think it's true. Like speak truth to power. The press should be rabid and consistent in going after every goddamn administration. Yeah. Um, but I don't know that they've done themselves any favors by pursuing some of those stories in what often boiled down to the sort of grossly speculative opportunistic way that they have. Because quite frankly, as someone who is actually interested in the genuine transgressions that an administration has been engaged in, and the truth is, I have been forcefully critical of the Trump administration in so many respects. There are plenty of things that you can put them on the damn crucifix over. Um, I'm fine with J.R. getting in trouble for this thing, but let's not pretend that all the rest of it is just a substantive, because we just don't know yet. There is a body riddled with bullets. Who shot Unsurprisingly, JR? there are lots of them. Who shot JR? Oh, no, no, but I the caliber of the gun is just I just want to give it a slug clap. <laughs> give it to yeah, me.
2: Just like, that is Absolutely
3: <laughs> right. End of an <laughs> officer yeah. and a gentleman. Yeah. Yeah, yes.
2: yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> yes and let me just no. say, if you're in the media and you're listening to this podcast, I want you to rewind and listen to that again. I think mm. it's right. And I do. Because I mean, it's I, I agree. absolutely right. Good. I agree. Okay. But, okay. And, and there's okay. also Same. the
3: point that, that you know, of this being applied equally, I think if what happened to, say, James Rosen happened to him under the Trump administration, sure. which was, you know, giving journalists a hard time about leaks and things no- like Nobel that. Nobel Peace Prize. I think that w- they would be – I mean, I don't think that anyone who is has a shred of honesty in their body wouldn't acknowledge that it would be handled very differently. Yeah. And so that – I think that's fairly clear. And I think it's also true. And, and it's a good – it's a good footnote too, because I may, I should stress that quite a bit, too, is that is that a lot of this stuff in the past is like, you know, there have been things that have been wrong. I think a lot of stuff has been right, but it's been overplayed and mm-hmm. right. You know, and it's also hung on. And too. look, and I've also said things here is that it seems to me that that what has been conflated to the administration, and we have to be skeptical of the administration, all of which I agree with, is basically a bunch of people have been fired from the campaign, giving them plausible deniability. Um, Flynn is, was fired. Uh, Roger Stone was fired. Paul Manafort was fired. Um, Carter Page didn't really exist to even be fired because he wasn't really anybody interesting. Um, so they, they, they they covered themselves in some way. So, you know, I think that that's always, and I've talked about this constantly, that why they don't say people in the Trump administration, they always say Trump associates, because those people would count as associates, people that, that either were part of the campaign or been fired from the campaign and didn't make it to the administration. Flynn did. And he was pretty, pretty quickly clipped, you know? So I don't know. We'll see. I mean, it, it plays out. This is very interesting, deeply troubling. And, and something that I suspect with the, to give some credit to people in the media, has been the result of very, very dogged reporting. Mm-hmm. Very, I mean, the, the New York Times got this story. They gave a deadline to, to JR uh, of 11 a.m. And he posted those tweets with the actual things at 11 a.m. He gave them a statement, too. But he posted the emails because they had him. By the balls. I mean, let's be honest. And that is really good reporting. Just because there's been some crappy reporting and some overzealous reporting, they got half right and half wrong, et cetera. There's been a lot of really, really good reporting. And none of this can happen unless the administration is itself in turmoil. And there are people within the administration who want to do damage to other factions in the administration and they want to leak. Where did this email come from? Yeah. Yeah. We don't know. This is four or five people in this chain. Could it come from the intelligence services? Possibly. They didn't have an actual copy of the email, it doesn't seem right, really. They, was a read, they had a readout of it. Well, the it. New
2: York Times has been closely following the Azerbaijani rock scene. Some, anyway. <laughs> Matt, you got something I, By the way, apparently like, my favorite part of the Hannity interview with Don Jr. was when he was like, well, we got to know each other in the Miss Universe. He did a couple concert or luxury golf courses. <laughs> the golf course circuit, you know how that is. By yeah, yeah, exactly. Anyway. that's exactly. <laughs> conveniently yeah. leave out the lines I think ten, of. Coach. I
3: think ten CC is playing the golf course. Yeah. circuit.
1: <laughs> I just think I have a, I have an upward c- ceiling of being really interested in what Eric Bowling earlier today or yesterday called the media's mass hysteria, uh, because you know, hey man, collusion <laughs> collusion isn't illegal at all, and it's like, oh god, there are people on your network, even on your show, in terms of Cat Temp, um, who have been able to very calmly say, yeah, I don't know if this is illegal or not. Yeah, I don't know if this proves the conspiracy or not, but it's shitty. You shouldn't do it, and you should be able to get to that place. You mentioned Hillary's emails and the kind of fog around it, and I think that's actually instructive. What are the commonalities behind the way that Hillary Clinton and her apologists treated her emails and the way that Donald Trump and the Trump— campaign and their apologists have treated all this well they lied their fucking asses off Mm. and if we are going to have anything like useful norms in this fucking country not in terms of how we all act in washington and this kind of stuff no actually how we fucking act as citizens as a citizen you cannot sit idly by and just revel in oh you know the media is exaggerating again when your fucking government is fucking lying to you. Sure. When the government lies to you, fuck them. Yeah. And I really don't want to hear way too much about anyone's dark fantasies over CNN, fake news and all that kind of shit. Yes, all that exists. It's there. It's part of the thing that we deal with. But we know, we know, we know, we know based on all this that Don Jr. lied. Go look at his interview with Jake Tapper in, in June or July of, of 2016. He not only denied this kind of stuff, he said, "My." God, this is dangerous. Well, I, This I, is actually dangerous. I can't believe that people would say this. You're right. It wasn't a specific question. that you have this Yeah, meeting? I was going to get a
0: little legalistic, but yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> but uh, Kellyanne Conway did the same, the, the, the no, same you're thing. Right. The the umbrage with which they took, anyone even suggesting that anything like that could have possibly did, that's, yeah. that's, yeah, yeah. that's what's eroding this democracy. Does anyone These actually- These people yeah. fucking lied to that's us, sort just, of and that's unforgivable. Yeah, that's sort I mean, of I mean, you know, this for This is other a people.
3: Counter- counterfactual. This is a hypothetical that you can't answer, but, but think about it for a second. Does anyone think that if one of his business associates in Russia came up to Donald Trump at a golf course and they said they were maybe an American that was working and said, look, I got a contact in the FSB. They got into Hillary's computers, man, and they got some shit. You want it? You think he's going to say no? You think he's going to call the FBI and say, whoa, no. Of course, he's going to say yes. I
0: think he'd say. <laughs> I think he'd say, "Send a note to my Gmail." Yeah, exactly. Um, or or maybe just DM me on Twitter. But yeah, yeah, yeah. make sure it's a DM because I yeah. always screw up and yeah. then send pictures yeah. of my penis exactly. publicly to everyone.
3: <laughs> a that is ball pick And, and I'm only we've being a little there. sarcastic. Yeah.
0: Um, I want to pivot a little bit sure. because we've been going on this for a bit. But I I uh, I was enriched by this conversation. Um, and I appreciate spending time with you, gentlemen. I'll say that here at the uh, at the uh, I don't know if we're quite at the midpoint. We maybe got another thirty minutes or so, but I, I wanted to talk a bit of foreign policy. Sure, um, we've got we've got Eli here, who's actually written a number of things related to this, and uh, this is this is perhaps foreign policy palooza, uh, uh, world in disarray edition. Um, and I wanted to to unpack some of the concept in the Haas thing, perhaps as a, a teaser for folks who will eventually mm-hmm. watch this project. Um, the The premise of the book, I, I will try to summarize it quickly, is that we in fact, live in a world in disarray compared to the world that we occupied, um, during the Cold War era, which I would say this, just, just, you should do this. Yeah. No, just,
3: just, just briefly. I would say that, that, um, Richard was, was, uh, you know, part of the George HW Bush administration and he has a tremendous amount of respect for George HW Bush. Mm -hmm. And, um, I think that, that, You know, that that comparison that he makes world in disarray. I mean, there's no sense that Richard thinks that it was, you know, this is the worst time in human history. Right. It's kind of what people misunderstand about Francis Fukuyama, who I who's in the film and interviewed him. And we talked about this and and hopefully we'll release some of these longer interviews. And, you know, Fukuyama has been frustrated for a long time. He's like, I never said history was over. I just said the pinnacle of achievement has been reached. I mean, this is where you go, which is liberal democracy. I didn't say there was going to be no more wars. I didn't say that there's going to be challenges to it. But I said, this is the pinnacle of where we can be. Right. You know, utopianism had died. And you know it might make a comeback, but this is kind of the high point for, for in human history thus far. And to uh, Richard, uh, just to you know, I don't want to defend him. I mean, he can he can do it himself. But and I think we might maybe we can do a special edition with Richard and I can That'd get into great. it because you know in our interviews we we debated things and and um, I think one of the things that he's saying is that and this is true. He said that, that you know the sense that after the Cold War in that that uh, which we have in the film is the is Bush's address uh, to Congress when the, 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 new world order speech, which I remember playing in the background of, uh, the U2 concert that I saw, um, in 1991, it was like new world order, new world, you know, it's like, you know, voodoo economics. And then like the band starts playing some song that sounds like every other song. And, um, but that was, it, it's kind of wrapped up with the fan, Fukuyama idea, ideas that, you know, he doesn't say, and I think we even mentioned the film that, that the '90s was a bucolic, calm time. No, in no not at all, Genocide. Right. You had a war in Europe, but it was definitely a different feeling. That you know, people were banding together, banding. Together. I mean, like Russia is very different, obviously, when it comes to you know bombing an airport in Serbia and everything. But that there was that there was this kind of moment of peacefulness, of, right. or of the idea in the foreign policy establishment and with people in general was not necessarily the Fukuyama idea, but this idea that maybe maybe we're pretty good for a little bit. No, I think that's a good point. Two I think countries
2: the, that have McDonald's will never go to war with each other. That was, was uh, so commonly very, said. A very dumb observation. I, I,
3: I but, but, but not, not totally. So, so that is an right. extension of what Milton Friedman said, basically, was that, um, and, and look, to be honest, Friedman, I think might've acknowledged this too, is that he was wrong about this in one key sense, was that if you open up an economy and you have an authoritarian system, Not necessarily a dictatorship, can be a dictatorship, can be an authoritarian system, can be, you know, a very sort of conservative system – an open economy will put so much pressure on the government that'll ha- that'll ultimately open the government too. And there's a lot of there was a lot of evidence previously to suggest that that was that would the Chinese decided to say you're wrong, Milton Friedman, right? <laughs> and,
0: and that was his argument about Pinochet's Chile and places like that. Although the China there's no private pop- property in China. Uh, well, which is a, a yeah, it's a, com- piece yeah of you know, it's a complicated
3: thing about you know how businesses interact them- themselves with the government right. in China. But that was the kind of thesis of that, and that sure. got simplified in a way of like, if you have a McDonald's, you'll have a McDonald's because you know the Soviets only got a McDonald's when they opened up, right? If you have a McDonald's, you're going to be opening up, and therefore you guys yeah. don't go to yeah, war yeah. because you have too many economic interests at stake, and that is not necessarily uh, a watertight
0: argument, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, look, it, in order to understand, uh, I think Haas's argument and perspective, one ought read the book. Yeah. And watch the documentary. They go they go well together. But the documentary is an hour time. and a half. The book will take you like nine hours. Yeah. Well, if you care about ideas, you you maybe read the book. But but the thing I wanted to get at was the the reason the Cold War dynamic comes up is because he talks about sort of this bipolar balance of powers, um, the the world mm. in which people inhabited when there was the Soviet Union on one side with nuclear weapons and the United States on one side with nuclear weapons, that there was an order. In the world, not to say it was orderly and utopian, but yeah. there was an order in the world and some sort of system, a, a diplomatic process, an understanding of how far one could push. And importantly, and this is the recurring theme in the, in the film, I think, that there was an expectation about when force would be exercised in a particular circumstance, how far one could push. Um, I understand the argument, I think it's an interesting argument. Um, I don't know how true that argument is. And as he acknowledges in the book, I mean, we had the Cuban Missile Crisis sure. and various other close yeah. calls um, during that era, era, but I also think just, it's easy to look back at that period of time and think, yeah, that was, that was a little more manageable. Well, it it is because the worst didn't happen, but it certainly could have. Um, so I don't know how much of a disarray we're in, but what's certainly relative to the past, but there are certainly some screwed up things going on now. Yeah.
3: yeah. So that's a and, bit and of a we did setup. And we did have that conversation. Again, I, I hope, um, that after the film premieres that we can, we can, um, uh, you know, get some of that stuff online yeah, yeah. and put some of that stuff out on HBO's website and everything, because I mean, Richard's pretty, pretty smart and pretty eloquent about that. And again, you know, there's, there's plenty that, that we disagree on, but I think that re- one of the points... Of his book is that uh, There's a huge danger And everyone knows the danger of overreach That if if the government goes too far If uh, foreign policy Becomes something of an Obsession to you know as Eli Referenced uh, Condoleezza Rice's We're not the world's nine one one If you become that The overreach can have so Many ill effects and we've Seen those and we talk about them all The time Richard also puts into that Mix is that if you kind of pull back too much, that can also have a lot of bad effects too. And his point, and again, I'm making his point for for, for him because he's not here, but, um, (laughs) he's got better things to do. He's the head of the council on foreign relations. I'm just a schlub,
0: but this is more fun,
3: but yeah, I mean, but so if, if you pull back too much, what he basically says is that it's not as if no one is going to, you know, step into that void. Somebody will. And oftentimes those are very bad actors. Mm-hmm. So you have to understand that when you pull back, who fills that void? Because it never goes unfilled. It's almost like the, the kind of thing about the, the, the uh, Dakota Access Pipeline or the tar sands in Canada and the rest of that pipeline is going to be. It's the oil is not staying in the ground, guys. I mean, you know, if you shut down this pipeline, it's going to be a different one. So don't think that the Chinese will take that oil. And that's, you know, is what's been has happened in Canada when you have these tar sands debates and everything. When you protest and you get your government or you get you know this company to not do a thing it doesn't mean that thing is not going to be done it's just going to be not done by that company or that government so richard's argument in a lot of ways um and again i mean i hope we have an opportunity to actually talk about the film the the two of us and i think we're going to um in which i can you know push him on some of these things um is that you know when, when you walk away from Syria, and I'm not saying that there's a wisdom in intervening in Syria. I'm just saying this is a, this is a pretty indisputable fact. You walk away, guess who walks in? You know, it's not going to be lefty to the Iranians... Russians. I mm-hmm. mean, this is. It, it's not as if. Well, let's just let the Syrians duke it out because there's. I mean, what are the percentage of Syrians that are actually doing the duking it out now at this point
0: anyway? Well, let's let's. You turn know, so
3: the, so so that yeah. kind of thing is is. And again, I'm just making the kind of argument he makes. But
0: that that's kind of a lot of that in the film. Well, let's turn to to the Middle East specifically, um, because in the film you go Middle East. Um, and you talk about the, the war on terror and some of the other engagements there, mm-hmm. specifically Iraq and Syria. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we go to North Korea and China um, and uh, Ukraine. There? Ukraine was the other yeah. place. Yeah. Well, we may kind of breeze by Europe pretty quickly. but. Maybe let's start in the Middle East. We have the Mosul campaign, uh, yeah. which is wrapped up at this point. Pretty um, much. There's, yeah. There have at least been some mission accomplished banners unfurled, which that never ends up badly. Um, <laughs> and um, we also have the situation in Afghanistan, uh, where Trump has essentially said that he's going to give the generals carte blanche to make decisions there. And the Wall Street Journal also reports that he's capped the number of troops that can be sent there. at somewhere under 4,000 in either I case. I more, by the way.
2: My but, reporting says it'll be more than that, but. So, so,
0: cap. so what do you what do you make of this? I mean, given given these particular trouble spots, Eli, you've been writing about this, as you just indicated. What do you, what you make of the situation? Eli?
3: Yes. <laughs> um, Fight with Camille. <laughs> <laughs> the neocon versus
2: what? I I was going to say something else, but I I mean, mean, it would be bad. So let's, let's, <laughs> let's start with Mosul. Um, and the reason that Mosul is important is because when Mosul fell to ISIS... The real oh shit moment was holy fuck. We spent ten years, twelve years training these guys and building up this army, which was the majority of the effort in Iraq. I mean, the the war was won within a couple months. Most of the time was trying to remake an Iraqi military that was capable of protecting the country, and they fell within hours to a ragtag group of guys who had, some of whom had broken out of jail and you know, who'd commandeered a couple vehicles and fought ferociously, and basically everybody left their posts. And that was like... And for me, as an interventionist, I said, what the hell are we doing? We're never going to get it right. Um, So the fact that the Iraqi military has won back Mosul is a good thing, but there will be lots of problems afterwards. I mean, and like, to get specific, one of them is going to be a list of people who collaborated with isis there is such a list Mm -hmm. who will be allowed to return to their homes who will have to face some sort of legal process using air quotes uh and that is really political it's going to be hugely political um so just off the bat Who's on the ISIS list? Very similar to the issue of what was known at the time as debathification in the 2000s. Who collaborated at such a level and they did terrible things with Saddam Hussein's regime that they cannot be allowed back to their jobs. They can't be allowed to take a pension from the government and things like that. And that's going to be a nasty fight. And hopefully that will not turn into a new civil conflict. But um, but you
3: also see the conflict now as it's, as it's been, as the Iraqi army, you know, a pretty you know, sectarian organization in so mm-hmm. many ways, uh, you know, going through Mosul and the reprisals have been pretty brutal. I mean, we've yeah. seen a lot of the videos. Yeah. Um, a friend of mine who is uh, a war correspondent, he's been a war correspondent for since nine I think around nine 11, uh, told me when I went to his apartment the other day and he showed me, it was really interesting. He showed me a, um, a, a license plate, like a small license plate. There was an ISIS, uh, created license plates, very professional looking. And it was for a scooter. And, and I was like, <laughs> this is like, they had sort of it probably functioned better than the New York state they had city currency, government. And a yeah. currency, you know, Janan Musa had just shown like all the coins, ISIS minted coins and everything. And he said to me, uh, he just got back. He was in Mosul for three weeks. And this is a, quite a bit for him to say, say this. Um, he said, I have just on the most basic level, I have never seen so many dead bodies in fighting as I saw when I was in Mosul. Wow. And he was with the uh, – uh, I think a, pre- a few previous days with the journalists who were who were kidnapped and killed. I think they were French journalists. I think there were two or three that were, mm-hmm. that were kidnapped and killed in Mosul. And, you know, if you talk to people who have been on the ground with these troops, they behave reasonably well when there's – reasonably well when there's sort of western embeds and people around but you know the the kind of endless cycle of this as you see that when they're coming through and they're taking videos posting them and you can see them online of them beating and executing and torturing people accused of being isis collaborators some of them might very well be some of them might not probably not probably not probably not there might be just a sectarian instinct there That is the thing that will sow
2: the seeds for the next conflict.
3: That's the next conflict. And that's really depressing about this stuff is that, you know, when you look at these things in the kind of chessboard way, um, it still doesn't make a hell of a lot of sense. And it's still, you know, I want
2: to, I want to make a a point here, which I think Camille will, will disagree with that said, (laughs) (laughs) do not make the mistake of thinking that Saddam Hussein before we got in there was running some pristine country. There we go.
0: that? was not who so? That? No, no. Who's getting but ready to disagree with that? This is the
2: presumption of a lot of the argument, which is that everything was going fine until we fucked it up, and all those bodies are on us, America. Huh.
0: No, I, 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 no, no. no I'm not saying you say.
2: I'm just saying that I've heard it. Oh. I'm sorry. You're well, standing for. Michael People Moore. I've been arguing for, with <laughs> yeah, every, for the last few Yeah every once in, in a while anyway. every once in a while I get that look there there are certainly that that's the thing Saddam's that that was an an unstable position this is I'm, I'm with am with kitchen's view that was not stable. I'm not saying that we should have gone in in retrospect with 150,000, 200,000 troops. Yeah. And you know, had USAID workers telling people Iraqis and villages that you have to have a certain number of women in your city council. I mean, <laughs> which is what that, <laughs> I, that
3: happened. Yeah, I don't think that was the problem. And no? You, yeah, <laughs> no, <don't>, no. I'm <laughs> just saying, I, there's like yeah. a, there's a sense of we go yeah. in and we're gonna make yeah. you. Uh, we're gonna I make don't you, mind like, them being here. They're a little too woke. I mean, that, <laughs> I think that was the issue.
2: Right. I think it was probably them it's, being there in the first place. Uh, when do I get to beat them? <laughs> anyway, um, <laughs> that's,
3: anyway. We can cut that out in post. It's fine. It's that's fine. Leave it, 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 it. Leave it. it. It's, it's fine. fine. It's, it's fine. My
2: point. My, so so I'm saying that that was like kind of a time bomb waiting to happen. And a lot of the, the violence in Iraq today is still a reaction to that. And I'm not, I don't necessarily have like a, 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 An an easy answer to it. Mm -hmm. But what I think we've settled on at this point is that instead of having, you know, the U.S. military in uniform patrolling every street in these major Iraqi cities or wherever it is, you will have U.S. special operators working with Iraqi military units somewhat from behind, you know, blending in and sort of doing training and fighting. And it's going to be that for a while.
0: Uh, Camille's face is like. I, I'm just, I'm just, uh, I'm, I am imagining. you don't have to be so gracious to our <laughs> It's No, listen. He, no, it's okay, I see you seething. He just, he just straw manned like every ill informed uh, libertarian perspective and placed it all on my shoulders. Yeah. Yeah. Like I've, we, right. we do that sometimes. I just got that for them. <laughs> yeah. No, it happens, it happens, it yeah. happens frequently. Uh, no, I mean, I, I think Black we'll, Ron Paul.
2: <laughs> one of the things that's interesting <laughs> so, about. So I have these newsletters is, and that it's is got some very interesting theories on AIDS, interesting <laughs> oh
1: about not just the Richard Haas worldview or the Eli Lake, uh, you know, Avador Lieberman worldview, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, or, the, or the Black Ron Paul,
2: uh, keep it on view. the low and don't tell Reagan. Is that <laughs> this is um, the story of Menachem Begin? <laughs>
1: Sorry, if part of the part the rap of the uh, that I wrote part of the sense back. of the world in chaos.
2: Okay, a little kind of like a fairy tale personal here. hero, Menachem Begin of mine,
1: in there in the 90s, which <laughs> In retrospect, look great. Uh, at the time, the leaders of the West were freaked out by change. They just didn't like stuff that was. I mean, Germany reunified over over too fast for Margaret Thatcher. For oh, for sure, for, yeah. for everybody. Yeah, I, yeah. she was I,
3: resistant I, to that. Yeah,
1: I remember George H. W. Bush giving a speech in Prague on the one year anniversary of the Velvet Revolution. Yeah, um, just like whatever you do, Czechoslovakia, you need to stay, stay together, uh, and, and Yugoslavia, you need to stay together too. And all this sure, guy, people just didn't. They didn't want the new thing um, because the new thing was a new thing by definition. Um, and I, I think within that, there is a this sense, uh, uh, an illusion of uh, America, not necessarily control, but like uh, like a feeling good that we know what the organizing intelligence is and what the rules are. Yeah. Uh, you, you had said uh, uh, Michael or, or Eli or some combination uh, thereof that like, you know, when when uh, America recedes, then, you know, the bad guy uh, uh, comes in or oftentimes it's people who you don't like come in that is definitely a true thing. I mean, it's, I mean, look at the, uh, the, the Cambodia in the late seventies. I mean, when there's, there've been some horrific moments of American withdrawal and then uh, uh, genocide afterwards, yeah. but that's not the only story. I mean, uh, the, one of the biggest stories, of the 1990s is that there was a dual imperial withdrawal of the two superpowers and who took over Central America, the Central Americans. Mm. That was pretty good for that most was great. It, that yeah. was, that was a, that great was, thing. but
2: that shows the superiority of our system, because if you look at, with a few exceptions, hmm. the places the Soviets left kind of went to shit.
0: Well, I, I, <laughs> I'm I sorry, say,
2: but it's a fact. I would say this: with that, a few that, exceptions, yeah, the Soviets left. Like ruin in their wake.
0: There's, there's, there's a lot of truth in that. Look, uh, especially in uh, Afghanistan. But I, w- I will say this quickly: is that, I mean, c- is c- that Central it, Europe it, it, was
3: not a ruin but, when but, but, the Soviets but, but left. Here, the quick well, thing, not, quick not, thing, not, not quick talking thing, over, not talking um, over. Um, the, the, you know, Central Europe is that. You know, I don't want You sound like a sting song when not you, but one does when you say sure to the Russians. Yeah, I knew I shouldn't have said that. Is that? Is that is that there is a. I don't subscribe oh, to can, this can point can of view. Can we stop this
0: now, please, everyone? We've been You're in all this fired. Room. We've been in this room for a long time. Please, uh, too long.
3: Ahead. No, but there, there's a great difference in, in, you know, when you exit Czech. What well, they, being the Soviets, exit Czechoslovakia. Exit Poland. Poland, in particular, has you know a civil society waiting, dying to join the West, and this is, of course, NATO expansion. And this, you know, these are the choices that these countries make because they desperately want to have the civil society that's been denied them. Very, very different, obviously, when you apply the same lessons to places where an Abraham Lincoln brigade of psychopaths are going to come in from Europe. Now it's obviously very different. Now, in land in Syria, and say. We are going to have a contest today of how many gay people you can throw off the, the top of this building. I mean, it's very, very different than Lech Valencia. I totally and, you know, I agree with that. Yeah. And I think those that, are the things that, one has that, to be that, very careful And that things. metaphor
1: was mangled. and, and no, no, no I said sure. No, I understand. I know you know that. But, but at, the, at the time when that was being used by the Wolfowitzes of the world of saying, you know, we're going to be greeted in such a way. And don't get your heckles up, Eli, when I, I mentioned that. But, but I think that what's more interesting is what happens in Africa and Central America, which don't have the same kind of democratic traditions as Czechoslovakia did in the interwar period, um, which have struggled with. What happens afterwards, but whatever would happen afterwards was so much better. They're struggling through it,
3: but well, they're not well, killing each me, other. Let, so, let, let me let me, let
2: me, let, let, me let me point. push back yeah, I mean, on one
3: thing on Africa, is that it, it does in some ways go to prove the Hasian point of that when uh you know the sort of decolonialization movement happened. Um, which was necessary and which uh, should have happened earlier and which is a blight on the West in almost every way. But when you, you know, back out and then all of a sudden you have, you know, Robert Mugabe, who's in the non-aligned movement and backed by the Soviet Union, you do have people being backed by the worst, not the worst player. I mean, you can't, there's no way to quantify that. You know, Rhodesia was a horrible, disfigured country run by racist scumbags period, end of story. But, you know, when that vacuum was, were the British there to help democratic forces establish a democratic government? I mean, what happened in the Cold War, especially in Africa, you have Cuban troops fighting in Angola, you know, other sides, South Africans. I mean, who knows? Everyone's terrible in that conflict, right? And when you pull out, it wasn't as if you know, they were just going to flower in this democratic way. You have the worst, in, in some cases, in a lot of cases, actually, the worst elements supported by a very, very bad superpower. It doesn't mean that what happened there previously was good. It wasn't. The status quo shouldn't have existed, and it should have ended earlier, as I said. But, it, I mean, in the kind of grand power chess moves, the Soviets were watching Africa, and there's a, the, the great uh, Christopher Andrews book, the guy from... Uh, uh um cambridge university who wrote the sword and the shield the vasily matrokin archive amazing book fantastic all these great kgb things that he hand wrote from the kgb archives the second version of that often ignored is a is a book called the world was going our way and what is meant by that title was the Soviets were quite happy that in former western colonies they got in there so deep to make sure a bunch of, you know, dodgy people that they could control mm-hmm. would then would then come in. So just to the broader point that Haas makes, of that, you know, when when things pull out, and again, it's not to say that you shouldn't have, because it absolutely was necessary to do, and I would be very clear about that, is that it doesn't mean that the bad guys aren't going to come in, and it's just because sure. democracy is going to flower. And you see this now in a belated way with Russia in Ukraine. I mean, the, the if you listen to Vladimir Putin, what he's very, very upset about, and we talk about this in the film too, what he very, very upset about is, of course, NATO and all this stuff, and we're humiliated after the Cold War, et cetera. But there was a long enough period of time through the Yeltsin period in the 90s and the kind of, you know, what they called the cowboy capitalism period, but it was actually just, you know, you know gangsterism in so many ways and this concentration of power and wealth amongst cronies and scumbags and gangsters, is that the second Putin comes onto the scene in a substantial way, and then we took him around 2000, all of a sudden there's a 10 year period that he's like, you know, we lost that time. Let's start destabilizing our neighbors. Not to say that Yeltsin didn't do the same thing in Chechnya, the first Chechen war, the second Chechen war, you know, Putin's Ukraine isn't really a surprise. Georgia, not really a surprise because he just wants to cut out that 10 year period and get back to like, if it was 91 and he kind of ascended to the heights that he ascended to now, if he did that then, world'll be very different. He's still avenging the Cold War. That kind of dynamic still exists, and it's 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 unfortunate. it's very, very depressing. So anyway.
0: Well, I I, I got back to Russia, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, no yeah, it's sorry, it's, sorry. it's all it's all uh, foreign policy and it's all it's all related in important ways. And I mean, I think there's there's a broader point and and certainly when you talked about um the the campaign that is just wrapping up in Iraq and the fact that there there really has been um pretty pretty intense carnage there that the Iraqi military um is in fact fairly sectarian and I mean, certainly Eli when you suggest um, that there are places where we can have a role, perhaps have a role in the background where we're supporting um, the them logistically, and we have special forces on the ground in the way that we do in Iraq. Um, it's it's one of those situations where I mean, good outcomes obviously aren't guaranteed. I mean, it, it could it could go sideways, um, and it's certainly possible that you might be able to engineer a germany or a japan in certain places um and it's certainly not in iraq particularly (laughs) in germany and japan (laughs) not in iraq in in many other places in many other places you can't and and it's definitely the case that when you draw out you have power vacuums and someone will fill that power vacuum um it's also true that as a rule i think I, i buy into the to the sort of Hayekian notion. And it's not Hayekian really narrowly. I think it's broadly libertarian about sort of the cultural institutions that arise over time in organic ways that there are, there is all sorts of bloodletting that happened here in the United States for us to a- arrive at the institutions that we have here um, that are in fact sort of sufficiently durable um, that they can survive various things, cultural institutions and political institutions. And quite frankly, a lot of these other places simply have not had the room for those things to evolve and develop. Therefore, ergo perhaps. I suspect it's gonna be a bit of a shit show in a lot of these places, whether we're there or not. And I don't know how good it is for us to be close to many of these things. And you know, the the major sort of sticking point for a lot of people when they look at U.S. foreign policy right now, um, and certainly uh, it, there was a – it's a theme of Haas's book, uh, is uh, Syria. And the fact mm-hmm. that the Obama administration didn't do enough, that they didn't take the opportunity to have the United States make an impact there, and that this is an example of being too hands-off, maybe – I really think that we just have to accept that that is the best the answer that we can actually provide. Maybe. It is definitely the case that the Russians are there running the show, so to speak, as they were, quote unquote, running the show in Afghanistan. They were in charge there. Well, can I, I don't um, know that uh, that was a situation that the United States actually wanted to own either. And I'm not certain how much worse that situation would be if the United States were... Deeply more deeply involved or even more hands off I'm just I can't be sure and it and it's I think it's who of everyone engaged in these conversations to acknowledge that maybe our way is better is the best you can do, and quite frankly, you know foreign policy central planning. In my estimation, the folks who guarantee good outcomes. I don't trust them any more than I trust other kinds of central people hey well, gentlemen, if I, I if I could just jump in, uh, I think uh, I think I'd like eli to to respond to that
2: uh, lengthy Camille diatribe. and then uh, I think we should move don't
0: on. you don't you ever jump in and <laughs> call oh anything God. I've said a diatribe. I, yeah. well, I dear think, Lord, right, first
2: of all, I endorse your point about being skeptical of anybody who promises an outcome in a war or in any kind of any kind of intervention. That is a lesson that we cannot learn enough, and you are right. But in certain circumstances, such as ISIS control of Mosul versus the imperfect Iraqi military, there is a clear outcome which is better for the world, Iraq, and our national interests. And that is that we needed to stop the momentum of a group of fanatics who were claiming to recreate a caliphate. If only because it inspired a bunch of other uh, psychopaths all over the world to, you know, commit acts of random violence in the West. But also because it was it, we, we gave it was a base of operations for a group that was uh, expansionist and aggressive and was not going to be satisfied uh, staying in their part of the world and not bothering us. And uh, even though you're right, I was in Iraq about two and a half years ago, but I saw the beginning of these campaigns and wrote very critically about how Iranian militia leaders were ordering Iraqi officers, general-ranked officers, and that the Iranians had effectively infiltrated, and this was a bad thing, and sectarian, and all of that. Um, You can make some progress there around the edges, but it's always going to be a problem, and we should be aware of it. But even that said... It's better that the Iraqi government has control of Mosul than ISIS. That is like a pretty easy one. As for what we could have done to prevent the slaughter in Syria, I resist the calculation that the blood is on your hands, Obama for not intervening because the blood is on, We know who the we know who the um people who are responsible for that um are and uh you know it's the Iranians, it's the Russians, it's ISIS, it's all these other people who were part of that bloodshed. But there were things that we could have done that were short of Operation Iraqi Freedom. We could have provided no-fly zones and safe zones for the rebels that we trained. We could have continued to support them. And even though it's absolutely true that on Wednesday some of these rebels would be Qaeda and on Tuesday they'd be moderates or whatever, the more we're engaged, the more that we're there, the more that we kind of create a place in which you say, all right, you're going to be a moderate here— that affects the outcome it's sort of like the heisenberg principle so it's you can't know what's in everybody's heart in this regard but you can affect the uh aspects of how they behave and what they stand for on the ground by being more engaged without you know launching what i think is a would be a, a kind of a, a folly of nation building in syria which um we 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 are not we're not going to do at this point but we could we could do things to advantage the Syrians who were sort of the least worst option.
0: Yeah. In my view. We, we've we been going at this for about uh 90 odd minutes, maybe, yeah. maybe, maybe yeah. not quite. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think we should probably pull out of this thing. I'm sure I'm, there, there is, hungry. I think any good conversation, <laughs> hungry, I have an <laughs> any good conversation always leaves me with like a bunch of questions that I wish I had an opportunity to ask, which I think we'll just table for next time. Um, But I don't know. Do we have any uh, parting shot, last minute things? I I did. Okay, well,
1: some idiot wrote this. Please. Uh, This is a pylon. A lot of people were already talking about this on Twitter, but I think it's worth uh, talking about for half a second. The Guardian uh, ran a a great headline today Uh, Want to fight climate change? Have fewer children. And it's actually a uh, it's more of a new study proves this type of article. It's about a study that comes out and looks at measures different ways that your carbon footprint can be changed by your behavior and all this kind of stuff. And it's less declarative. But the headline itself uh, is uh, it's, it's crazy, but it also speaks to a way of thinking both in terms of. Uh, you know, the media New York Times or Guardian readers sense of constant guilt about the way that they live their lives, whether it's engaging in nail salons or shopping in Amazon or having kids uh, and this kind of stuff, which is ultimately, I think, pretty narcissistic uh, um, a sense of guilt. But it's also uh, just kind of um, how do we say this? Uh, it's it, it's wrong. Like yeah. the way to actually fight climate change is for um, rich countries Maybe to if you're at all Thinking about babies as an instrument Of policy which is the first mistake you Shouldn't babies are babies usually A good good, Just good decision get out of the baby yeah. uh, Worrying yeah. Uh, business Yeah, that's Not how to fight climate change um, but If you were going to <laughs> say what is the intersection Between baby having and climate change um, Having more people who have a chance to solve it, um, you know, grow up in places that uh You have could just say kill yourself, couldn't to, you? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Why not you say no, really, that's where yourself. this leads you yeah, to sure. is off yourself. So I, I we, didn't
0: we've I actually didn't, we've been there before though. Yeah we have we? Actually, the human yeah. extinction project. Exactly. <laughs> a,
1: um
3: I didn't have a sum we're at this this week. I did I just I just I did wasn't reading too much this week. So I just went to Salon right now. <laughs> um, no I haven't I haven't read it. I haven't read the story. I just I <laughs> I just have a headline i didn't read the story it's from today um but i haven't read the story so i can't i can't vouch for the actual piece but i can vouch for the headline uh-huh. and as long as you admit up front that you only read the headline <laughs> it's totally fine And fact david brooks wrote this column that I, everyone was really upset about and i read it and i was like it's just dumb i could i can't get exercised about about his but there is something in it that is mirrored in this headline uh, David Brooks wrote a column, and there was a, a, a paragraph in it that most people like a screenshot of. It was about him bringing his poor friend to uh, a uh, fancy sandwich place Yes
1: non-college educated friend
3: Yeah and mm-hmm. uh, and his friend got up to the counter And proceeded to shit himself Because he wasn't familiar with the <laughs> Italian Cured meats and then Punched somebody and ate uh, ate A baby <laughs> and then said Can we get some tacos And I don't think he meant like fancy ones you know Like f- probably fucking Taco Bell Because he's a scumbag <laughs> That David Brooks out with. He's probably got he's an animal he probably did in prison time And like homemade tattoos and all that stuff So that is one end of that is a David Brooks column, which I read and was admittedly stupid. But here is the headline in this Salon thing that I literally just read for the first time now. And I just wanted to make a brief comment. How David Brooks is ruining America, parentheses, and George Will isn't helping either. (laughs) Um, Yeah, yeah. The reason I wouldn't say that why Salon is ruining America is because nobody gives a shit about Salon and let's expand that to be a little higher and a much larger footprint. Nobody nobody cares about David Brooks. There is nothing more bubble, to the point of David Brooks's column, actually, than declaring that a columnist that only you read, <laughs> because you're on Twitter and you're, you write for Salon. That they're ruining America. David Brooks is not setting policy. He he probably has a large readership as these things go, but no one cares. And in and, and the people that write this stuff should really, and I hate to be the cliche person on the other end of saying this, but like just go out in the universe and realize that 99.9% of people aren't on Twitter. Don't fucking read David Brooks. They would periodically see George Will when he was on Fox News, but now he's an MSNBC contributor. They don't see him at all. And that's that. I love that idea that, 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 that somebody is ruining America. Before you say that, try to measure their influence because what David Brooks is ruining America. George Will isn't helping either. You know what that means? I just don't like their columns. That's fine. Don't like their columns. But There's, never say they're ruining America. No one – get out of your bubble. No one cares about David
2: Brooks. Can, so, I, can I can I offer a counterpoint? Yeah, sure. Um, Eli Lake grad, is fucking ruining America. I, <laughs> I, I, um, fact. I graduated fact. from college in 1994, and I wrote um, a philosophy thesis on John Stuart Mill and Immanuel Kant. It was and, called
3: Simply the Best. <laughs> and, uh, when I was
2: defending it, I remember after my uh, three professors sort of said – okay, you can graduate from college, they offered me a delicious tray of prosciutto, soppercetta, <laughs> and other cured meats in the Italian tradition. And I knew that I had finally made it, because until that moment, yeah. I had, you know, I was a Philistine. Yeah. You know, I was just, I was eating, you know, churros. I and cannot believe it. and all this other Why stuff. Why do you write this stuff about <laughs> the can't?
3: Who is this? And don't use a letter like language,
0: Okay. I mean,
3: come on. This is the worst. This is the worst.
0: All right.
2: All right. Invisible Um, class barriers. (laughs) uh,
0: I I don't want to to offer any commentary on it. I will only say that there are certain segments of the Twitterverse, in some cases prominent segments, that are very up in arms about a movie that will potentially ruin America. It is a film. It's a sci-fi reboot. It's the third installment. It is amazing. It is almost certainly the reason why Donald Trump. No, no, this is the reason why Donald Trump has ascended to the White House. It is Planet of the Apes, which by the by the name of the film alone is obvious that it is a racially fueled uh, hate film that uh, not since Birth of a Nation has a film been more obviously and explicitly anti anti black. Um, I plan to see it. I might buy five tickets. If you are concerned about Planet of the Apes, I'll leave it there. Um,
2: can I can, no. I can i just add that i was on alt-right twitter and there was a big outrage Are they over a about movie it? called sophie's choice <laughs> 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 yeah. apparently it's like yeah. historically why uh, did they give her a choice yeah what's,
0: what's, <laughs> so what's going on yeah. no yeah. choice for you <laughs> those aren't real nazis oh my god choice good god um i don't know if we have any other business here eli do you have anything before we go we're gonna go uh
2: no this is great I'm um, excited. Thank you so much. Well, I'm glad thanks for, this is good for that you. Thank you great. for spending some time with us. congratulations
3: for being the hyper Jew of
0: the century. That's <laughs> yeah. the award, right? <laughs> yeah, it's,
2: uh, yeah. It's the annual Bacon Award. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Um,
0: Fisher, I don't know if you got anything else for us. Are we good? Can we get the hell out of here?
3: I think we should get the hell out of here. Okay. God, what,
0: what, we got, well, how's the guy giving a microphone? He fucking hates the show. <laughs> You're fired. Cut his <laughs> mic. Well, thanks to Anthony Fisher. Uh, thanks to uh, Dan Beer as well, who uh, is. He helped this week. He's not on the show this week, though. Um, and uh, thanks to you, gentlemen, and all you listeners. Goodbye. Bye.
2: Bye. We, we know of new methods of attack. Welcome in